0: This is episode eight, Diversity in Networking, or Networking So White.
1: Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success, with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go.
0: George Floyd was an African American man who died in police custody in Minnesota. On May 25th, 2020. His brutal and unnecessary death, which was caught on camera, resulted in a sea change in public attitudes regarding racial and social justice. As the Black Lives Matter protests took place across the United States and the world, I had a moment of complete and utter clarity. You see, I'm an author and professional speaker who travels around the country to teach people the importance of building relationships in order to build wide, deep, and powerful networks. And the truth is, I had three people of color in my network. Three. In a network of hundreds and hundreds of people, I had fostered relationships with just three people of color. It took a man's life and millions of people protesting in the streets amidst a global pandemic for me to realize I was and am part of this problem. You see, our networks They influence the way we think and they 100% control who we can give opportunities and assistance to. I knew this, but what wasn't clear to me until this moment of clarity that I described was that by being silent, by creating my power network out of people who look just like me, I was upholding the centuries-old system of inequality. With this realization, I decided to reach out to my contact, Cleone Mainville, the founder of Outcome, a productivity and time management coaching business for busy professionals and entrepreneurs, as well as the founder of DICE, which is a grassroots group committed to assisting communities in demonstrating their respect, appreciation, and value for diversity and inclusion. To be honest, I was nervous. I'd actually never met Cleone. She had seen me speak at a women's event the year before. We connected on LinkedIn and had exchanged some emails back and forth, but we hadn't met. I was nervous. I didn't want to seem like another white woman who had suddenly gotten woke and now needed to talk to a black person to make themselves feel better. My message to Cleone went like this. Hi there. I wanted to check in to see how you are doing and also ask what I can do. As you know, I preach connectedness, relationships, and women helping other women, but this week has brought to me a stark realization. As someone who aims to empower women and claims to know everyone, I have very few women of color in my network. Most of the women in my network look like me. I'm reaching out to ask for your advice on how to help more women, women who don't look like me. Without even knowing it or perhaps realizing it, I'm a silent participant in the barrier I try so hard to help women overcome. Knowing your background in diversity and inclusion, I thought you would be the best person to reach out to, to give me advice on where to start. Thanks so much. Cheers, JB. I hit the send button and waited nervously. Here's the message I received in return that same day. Julie, thanks for reaching out and I would love the opportunity to speak with you since my networking experiences are often segregated. I'm either one of the few people of color in the room or one of many. There is no in-between. When Cleonia and I talked, I asked her where I could begin and how I could possibly start making a difference. She asked me to start by embarking on a 30-day learning journey to spend the next 30 days educating myself to better understand race and my place in this discussion. So that's what I did. I read books. I watched documentaries. I listened to interviews and engaged in honest conversations with people both inside and outside of my network. There is a quote from Maya Angelou that says, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. This journey of learning is my way of knowing better. And bringing this series on diversity and inclusion to you is my way of doing better. From the day I sent that email to Cleone, we have had an ongoing dialogue discussing networking, race, the lack of diversity in most formal corporate networking events and programs, but also the powerful ways in which affinity groups provide a comfortable space where everyone feels that they not only deserve a seat, but also belong at each and every table. After one of our conversations, Cleone introduced me to Pearl Farkasen, who is not only the founder of Designed by Delcy, a boutique wedding planning and design firm, but the creator of Toast, the Empowered Black Women's Collaborative. The purpose of Toast, which means to obtain anything, start thinking, is to provide an outlet where women can empower each other and establish relationships and friendships that carry on throughout their personal career and entrepreneurial endeavors. I have asked both Cleone and Pearl to join me today to have a conversation on networking, race, and how we can not only develop a more diverse personal network for ourselves, but how we can work to start creating more diverse networking opportunities for all. Hello, ladies. I'm in love with both of you. Thank you so much for being here. Cleone, you, you know we haven't even met yet.
1: I felt like we met.
0: You saw me on stage. I'm so glad you reached out to me afterwards because Without you having done that, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And I'm forever grateful for that.
1: Julie, thank you for trusting us with this conversation. Thank you for trusting and reaching out to me for whatever you heard or saw. I felt it from the stage. When you said, we've never met, I was like, we haven't? Because I felt so, I literally, I was like, we haven't? Because when she does an event, Pearl, you swear she's only talking to you I was cracking up. I'm, she's a comedian. Like, I'm tearing up and everything. So I literally did not realize that we had not met. I kid you not. So thank you. And maybe this is what I felt when I met you on stage. <laughs> I connect to people's energy and vibe and, most important, authenticity. And for you to reach out when you, I'm not saying the most vulnerable, because I know you've had a lot of different challenges, but felt vulnerable in that space and then Pearl trusting me to connect you with Julie, I thank you both, I really do. I am so blessed to have you in my network and new friend Julie, old friend Pearl. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm so glad to see you both together. I knew you would hit it off. How do you two know each other? uh, How much do you want to know? Short story, I attended one of her events. The background story might be intriguing to you as to how I ended up at that event. It was me needing to network, and my networking spaces were predominantly white, and I wanted to be around people that looked like me and had some shared experiences, and I saw her toast event on Facebook, and when I saw the image, I was like, yeah, right, she must have gotten this from, like, some um, picture stock or something. Shutter like Shutterstock." I just did, you know, shutter stock, and so... I was telling Pearl, I was very nervous going to her event. I hadn't been in a predominantly black space in a long time. And I'm like, how am I going to be viewed? Will I fit in? And I show up there and I was like, oh my God, someone put this event together in such a meaningful way. And what I saw that she put forth, it was just (laughs) magical. It was exactly what I needed. And all the fears I had about being, in a predominantly Black space, which I hadn't been in such a long time, was just completely alleviated. And I was like, I need to meet the woman who puts this together. And so I approached her and I said, we have to meet, but I don't want to meet in a stuffy environment. Um, let's go hiking. And she agreed. <laughs> and it was supposed to be what, a hour meeting, we hiked for two hours. Mm-hmm. We hiked for two hours. <laughs>
0: yeah, so that's how we met Julie. I have loved every conversation that we have had in preparation for this podcast interview. As you both know, this conversation has come out of me being uncomfortably confronted by the lack of diversity in my own network. We can't change what we refuse to see, so I refuse to not see it anymore. I'd love to know what your experiences are with networking groups that aren't affinity groups. Just general networking events?
1: So, that's a broad question, right? What has my experience been? So, when I think about the growth and transformation in my business, I needed to network for different reasons, right? So, when I first started, I needed to network to one, test out my idea around my business, and then two, to build courage to branch out uh, away from being an employee and to being an entrepreneur. And so in thinking about that beginning stage, I wasn't necessarily focused in on an affinity group at that time, but really getting to know people and expand my circle. I worked for the federal government for 17 years and those were my people, but my business was going to be very different. So I needed a space as far as being in a different industry, a different mindset. And I, I really achieved that in those kinds of networking events, getting to know people, getting an understanding of who I would need to show up as an entrepreneur. As I moved through the growth process for my business and I needed some courage, I found that need to be around people that had my background experience and looked like me,
0: but moving in
1: that direction. And so that's when I I reached out and attended one of Pearl's events. So I think depending where you are in your business and where you need to grow, then you are more likely to align yourself and find networking events that support that. So that was my initial experience
0: When you found these networking events that were helping you grow your business in the direction that you needed to grow, were these events diverse at all or were they not? Oh,
1: absolutely not. No, no, no. They were predominantly white spaces and I was one of few or in several instances, the only non-white person. I'd rather just say that it just makes it very clear. in those spaces. In Boston, there is one networking event that's pretty diverse because it's hosted by a person of color, and that space is pretty diverse. But other than that, I'm part of the National Association for Productivity and Organizing Professionals. That space is predominantly white as well. And so I was definitely in the minority in those spaces.
2: Clearly, I agree with you and concur. For me, my main um, purpose and priority for attending networking groups was about establishing connections, education in my market, which is event planning in the luxury market, uh, predominantly in the Boston market and all of New England, I can certainly attest. It was almost like I, I was accustomed to the way things were. So I didn't really necessarily know that it was a thing Until all of the news lately, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, like that, that's actually, that's true. I've always valued education and networking. I never really felt insecure going into these spaces, but when the first Toast networking event happened, the conversations were very different amongst us women of color, which is an affinity group, and we were able to not just speak about who do you know, how can I help you, but just the things that we were unable to speak about in other networking events where we would typically be the only people of color. So it was definitely an interesting experience for sure, but a necessary one.
0: How were the conversations
1: different? The terms you use, hey girl. You look good, smell good. (laughs) You know, and it's, it's like talking, what Pearl says, right? When you're in those spaces, i expected it like it's just something that you grew to understand
0: to understand that you would be the only person of color at that event is that what you're saying
1: yes or, hmm. yes or one of few oh. it's yes i mean when you say it it's like yeah but yeah um when it's different you're like oh okay this is kind of different when you're in the affinity group and you can talk about how you know how have you been able to progress in your career as the only right? We all have that shared experience being in in New England, right? That allows you to have that kind of conversation because I'm not having that conversation in white spaces because they're the majority. They can't relate to that experience, and we are joking around. But there's a certain comfort that comes with that known understanding and you use different words and you just kind of more relaxed in in the way you approach someone because you already have that foundation that you don't have to create you don't spend that time creating that foundation you can launch off of that and move into the next stage of relationship building i think
0: you come in with a shared experience when you go into a room of white people you don't automatically have that shared experience of navigating professional field as a black woman. Would you have that commonality when you enter in an affinity
1: group? I would, at least For me, I would say yes.
0: Pearl, you said I've always valued education and networking. And I think everybody always says you got to get a good education. I don't know anybody other than me who's like, education is okay. But you, it's the people you know, like you have to network your face off. So where did that come from? So...
2: I owe that um, to my Jamaican mother. And I'm sure that Cleone can agree with this. I am a first generation born here in the States. My entire family is from Jamaica. And growing up, I think one of the greatest blessings in the world was that my mom used to say, since I was like probably five years old, if you have manners, and education. You can sit at the tables of the king and queen of England. I'm like, what does that mean? In in my adult life, I realized that what she was um, instilling in me, I never knew that the color of my skin would be a hindrance to anything in my life. My mom, I'm grateful that she instilled education. So I prided myself on what schools can I attend. I graduated from one of the top universities for hospitality. I was grateful to have mentors in the Boston market that introduced me to other professionals that could advance my career. And so I always felt that that was absolutely necessary. I think that everyone's experience is very different. I realize that there are very real things that do come into consideration when talking about um, the progression of. African-Americans, and particularly women of color in the workforce. But I do feel that no one can take away what you know. And I think that the secret to leveling the playing field is to truly become excellent at what you do. And I've always wanted to instill that in my work, uh, my product, so that anything else really didn't matter. And that would promote the conversation.
0: I want to bring the conversation back to networks and diversity. What do you think are the actionable steps that people can take to really figure out how diverse their networks are? Because for me, it was shocking. What I did was I made a list of everybody I knew, and then I looked at them and I was like, hmm, three black people. And one of them I haven't (laughs) even met, which is Cleone. We had only talked online. That's how I, did it. is there a better way for people to really look at how much they've worked to diversify their network?
1: Um, you know, LinkedIn is, is my best friend. I'm an introvert and all this networking thing was very abstract to me. I'm like, what is this? What does that look like? What should it be? So having my social media platforms, LinkedIn and Facebook allowed me to have a visual representation of what this network thing is or what it should mean. So when I looked at LinkedIn, I was able not only to see the diversity in culture and ethnicity, but even in skill set, right? Here I was. Perfect example. Look at your social media. See who are true connections, not the ones that you just kind of um, pulled in. See who you could actually pick up a, you know the phone and, and call or you've actually met in person and use that as a gauge. And then you could do a simple spreadsheet that ranks industry, maybe employment level, and then also look at ethnicity, culture, or whatever diversity that you're looking for. Um, Whenever I connected to friends that were at a different level professionally than I was, their network completely played that out. You know, especially like my cousins that returned back to their old communities. Not only were they entry-level positions, but even in color, they were predominantly black and brown people, even with the same degree, just to let you know. So with the same educational level, right? But when you returned back to certain communities, that dictated who you met. And it was a stark difference between their network in mind. So I think that's a really good place to start. Um, Look at wherever you're trying to diverse, look at that space. If it's socially, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, if it's professionally, look at your LinkedIn connection.
2: I completely agree with Cleone. From a virtual perspective, LinkedIn is definitely a great way to gauge how diverse your network is as an event planner, I I couldn't go without saying, maybe it's looking at the types of events that you're attending. Are you staying within what you know? And it's human nature. Absolutely. Like if something interests you, if you're familiar with it, you're going to gravitate towards it. But if you are an organization or an individual organizing an event, there are a couple of strategies that I take with my clients. For example, Who are the speakers? Who are the presenters? Is there a diversification in, first of all, race and ethnicity, but also there is beauty in diversifying um, different viewpoints. There's beauty in diversifying within different positions. Maybe there's a combination of executive level positions versus entry level. And I think that together, what the, the end result of the solution to having different viewpoints and backgrounds and experiences is definitely a stronger conversation and great, better content. I would certainly work with them um, looking at what type of events are you going to? And in addition to Cleone's thoughts about looking within your LinkedIn.
0: We might have to branch out of our normal industry organizations in order to be
2: able to do that. And that might just be the case. It's not uncommon, as you've observed in your particular industry, to go to events, especially operating at the high level that you do, Julie, to go to an event and see that it might be a certain race or gender. Absolutely, but maybe it's the topics that are discussed. Mm -hmm. Are we focusing on a specific topic that's usually covered or what are ways that you can incorporate different diversity in the subjects that are discussed and pulling in from
0: other industries? That's actually a benefit. The organizations that you are a part of, besides Toast, because that's yours, do you let the the people who are putting the events together know that there is a lack of diversity in their speakers or their panels or even their memberships? Have you gone so far as to say, this is not a very diverse environment for your members? Um,
2: I, I, can, I guess I can start by sharing. In the events industry, I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. I'm considered young in my industry. And there was a very real fear up until recently that speaking up about things that I've noticed would be not the common thing to do. Full transparency, I grew numb to it. I, It's just something that I expected that, okay, it, this is just how it is. When the conflict of diversity really started hitting the mainstream market in early summer, it was something that, Top industry organizations such as NACE and ILEA and MPI did take notice too. Like, well, we serve the top 5% of vendors and clients in our market, and we are all white. There's no diversity. So I was grateful to be invited to panels and speak upon this topic before I didn't, because out of, I guess, fear of being blacklisted or whatever. like when I'm speaking about this now, like full transparency, Julie, you're bringing this out of me, but <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous because it's like, wow, I really didn't. I'm really glad that industry organizations are really looking at this and asking the questions about how can we actually diversify? And I've given great suggestions <laughs> and hopefully they they will take it. And again, creating a welcoming atmosphere, I think is super important as well. And I understand that one might not feel comfortable going to a space with people that don't look like them, but creating the environment where you're intentionally inviting, going out and finding affinity groups, that's a jackpot.
1: And I'll piggyback off of what Pearl said in response to your question. I don't think that it should be our space to call it out, right? Because we're already in the minority. We're already trying to make space for ourselves. much less do a recruitment, I think it is the job of the majority to say, you know what, we're missing out on something because this space is so homogeneous. And so that I would be introducing that kind of perspective because there's one, you want to create a welcoming space, right? But there's two, really educating these groups to say that you're missing I think this is a word that you use, Pearl, a texture. You're missing a flavor. You're missing a three-dimensional experience if you continue to operate like this. It is hard for the majority to know that they're missing something It's because you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you don't know. But I promise you that there is a level of richness, excitement innovation that is truly missing from your spaces. We know it because we've been in your space. Yeah. But you all, and I'm being very general and I apologize to your audience, but I promise you that there is something that is missing from your spaces and you are to advocate for it. You deserve, you deserve that. It's not always shining the light on the brown and black folks that have not gained entrance into these spaces. Mm-hmm if that's too big of a gap to bridge or a level of understanding to be passionate about, then be passionate about your own experience and that you're missing something that makes you less prepared to be a global citizen, period.
0: We're not gonna end on that, but we could. (laughs) (laughs) We're not gonna end on it because I wanna ask, Pearl, tell us about Toast, what that is, what it stands for, and how you put together this amazing group and how it's grown in just two years, right? It it literally started as a thought.
2: I think it was March 2018. And I just remembered having conversations with some wonderful women of color in my community. I've always been a connector. I've always loved learning about people, what they do, what interests them, and being able to bridge that gap. Very similar to you, Julie. So I sat down and I was like, you know, I know a lot of really incredible women. I think that they all need to get together and we should just exchange ideas and just say, who can I introduce you to? How can I help you? How can I serve you? And just get together for brunch. And I can say it on brunch, selfishly, you can't have a bad day with a good brunch. So I was like, we're gonna meet over brunch, mimosas, because it's acceptable any time of the day. Anytime. So, anytime, anytime, Roll out of bed, make one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if if anyone knows a little anything about me, I can't do things on a small scale. So we was supposed to be Five to ten women (laughs) in a restaurant around the table just chit chatting. And then I just started thinking, wow, like, what if I were to open this up to girlfriends to tell girlfriends to tell girlfriends? And I just kind of put it out there. I like nice things. So I want to cater to these ladies. I really enjoy creating those experiences in my business. And I really just wanted to share a piece of that with women within our community that might not have the time to really celebrate themselves, but, you know, just create an environment because when you look good, you feel good, you do good, you are good. So that was the philosophy behind it. And within six weeks, um, about 45 to 50 women showed up. There's women of all ages, all levels in their careers. And that's what's beautiful because we also have a um, strong desire to lift while we climb. I was grateful that there was a person in my life, a Caucasian woman. She was my first client and she opened so many doors for me. I sat around her table during Jewish holidays and I learned the principles that they practice being able to open doors, lifting while you're climbing. And these are things that I was so passionate about sharing within our community. And I realized too, that the women within our community were equally as passionate. Every season, we've delved deep into talking about subjects that impact us both personally and professionally, whether it's wellness, uh, mental wellness, embracing change, uncomfortable conversations that we really need to have. It's definitely shown me that there certainly is a need for these safe spaces to learn, to grow, to challenge each other, to live, be vulnerable. Absolutely
0: the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned how you found out about Toast and then you reached out to Pearl and you were afraid. I could see me having trepidation going into an all-black event. Can you tell me a little bit about why you were nervous, where that comes
1: from? And it's funny because I didn't realize it until I was making the drive down there and even picking out the clothes that I was going to wear. So the messaging that you get about people of color, we all get about people of color, right? It seeps into your soul through the lies you are told through your education, the images that you see on TV. I hadn't been in a predominantly Black space outside of my family and friends. I have not been in that space as a professional, as an entrepreneur. And showing up as a new version of myself in a space that I haven't in and outside of the security and support of my family and friends made me feel a little bit vulnerable um, and just not knowing what to expect. And just like you and like everybody else, you go into those spaces and you're like, all the things that I've been told is a lie. There is support here. There is sisterhood. I was just so grateful for Pearl creating that space. And creating that environment I don't even think I knew I'll kind of if you unless you asked what people did you just didn't know like it wasn't you know you kind of flashing your resume or what you did and actually I find that in other spaces right like oh what do you do and you know where are you but in here unless you ask it wasn't that she said you're not supposed to but we wanted to connect as women and sisters first, before you started to floss for a lack of better. See, floss, I wouldn't use in a predominantly white space. I use that in predominantly black spaces. So, you know- um,
0: What does it mean? Because I clearly don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just, yeah. Flossing is just being pretentious and and coming out with your very professional face and just not being your true self. I mean, we all have different versions of ourselves. I'm not saying that whichever version you put, course, is a falsehood, but it's just not all inclusive as who you are. And that's, that's really what made me nervous, wondering, like, what is this environment going to be like? Um,
2: Will they accept me?
1: Will they accept me? (laughs) Would they see me as authentic? And it wasn't. None of those things came, came to Hmm. life.
0: That is amazing. I'm jealous. I'm not part of it.
1: Well, I'm going to put a plug in right now. You can be. You know, when I told Pearl that I was going to make introductions and how powerful our conversation was and how I felt compelled this year to create these safe spaces around these really important conversations, I asked Pearl, is there a space in what you do to create that for us, I know you've done that, at least from Toast, which is a predominantly black space. Would you be willing to explore this idea with you, Julie, about creating this conversation that we're having right now with your audience? Because there is um, a three dimensional experience that I think can only be had when we can connect with each other, not in our professional spaces or our. Sp- professional version of herself, but us in this sisterhood, right? And allowing us to expand this conversation that we're having in a way that only Pearl can do, because I trust her so much when it comes to creating that environment and experience. We have to come to her table ready, open for it to really happen. We could fall flat if we don't come with the, the, the right openness. I cannot leave this conversation without offering to to take it to the next step further not only giving people the steps and say okay go do it but creating that opportunity for that first step like if if you don't know how to do it then join us and we can help you take that first step.
0: I think that's amazing but Pearl are you up for something like that?
2: (laughs) Yes like a reason to party and (laughs) yeah For the listeners, Pearl just fixed her hair when she said
1: it. Yeah, you need yeah. to see that.
2: Like, yes, yeah, a reason to party, yeah. you know, get to all that. Hang out with Julie and Cleone for the day. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. People
0: like me have so much to learn. And I, I told you, Pearl, when I talked to Cleone that first time, she sent me on a 30-day voyage of knowledge. And I'm so grateful that she told me to do that and I'm still doing it. I thank you for that. You have opened my eyes to so many things that I was unintentionally blind to. So I thank both of you for that. Before we end the conversation, I'm going to ask two things. One is last things to say to the listeners. And then the second one is we're going to talk a little bit about your preferred drinks because I was really hoping one of you would say Jamaican rum and neither of you said that's it. That's people. I mean, that's
2: like in our DNA already.
1: Uh, <laughs> that burns my chest. I can't handle a Jamaican rum. Oh. Ooh. like <laughs> rum? I have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Every time I go to Jamaica, the resort that we stay at gives us a huge bottle of Appleton's Reserve and I yes. wrap it in my clothes and I put it in my luggage and then I like sip on it until the next year when I go back to Jamaica. You're good. <laughs> you can buy it here, but it just it tastes better if it's smuggled out of Jamaica.
1: It tastes better, right? <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Okay, so... Just one thing to leave with the listeners.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm a safe space. Any questions, regardless of how outlandish or ignorant you think it may be, I'm a safe space for you to ask that question. And if your audience has that someone in their life, take advantage of that, but you must do something in return. Whether it be a commitment to continue your learning, or a commitment to actually take a step to make something different, but you cannot just take, 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 hear, listen, as an observer. It is not respectful. It is not fair. I just could not imagine that. And I would not want to contribute to any conversation and have my openness give others permission to do that to someone else. So whenever you approach someone of color and you're looking to learn from them, either do a little reading or research in advance so that you come to that conversation informed, or when you leave that conversation, you share what your commitment is around utilizing that information that they have shared?
2: Oh, that was good, Cleone. <laughs> so I will just say, in addition, being open to learning or understanding that there are very real things that you may come across. We as humans come across and we just don't understand because we are not in that position or we, we've we just never been there. So there are experiences which we could read about or listen to and that we would never quite understand. And I would say that there's no fault in that. However, if you know better, now we have to do better. So doing better, it might be, how can I, looking within ourselves or our networks and saying, How can, at the very base level, ask yourself, am I treating everyone I see as a human being? And if you go through life like that, you're going to do better. (laughs) So thank you for this opportunity, Julie.
0: I'm in love with both of you.
2: So sincere though, huh, Pearl?
0: (laughs) I, I love
2: wine. I am a food snob. A fun fact, I was actually trained as a chef I owned a fine dining catering company for many years and we're switching over to event planning. So give me great food and great wine and it's a great day. <laughs> I feel like I'll have that
0: tattooed on me. <laughs> and all right, so in in, part, in case you didn't know, I asked uh, Cleone what her favorite drink is. And she said, I love me a white Russian. And I immediately was like back in college. <laughs>
1: I have no class. I'm such a cheap date when it comes to alcohol. My husband is like, anything that's really sophisticated or high end, I'm like, this tastes funny. And yes, my favorite drink is this white Russian. I'm <laughs> a cheap date. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm right up there with Pearl. I'm like, the better, like, more expensive the
0: wine. I'm like, oh, is it
1: expensive? It must be good. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take that $7 bottle, the big boon. <laughs> it will be good.
0: Cleone comes into your next event with a Boda box
1: of wine.
0: (laughs) I am so looking forward to our next conversation, our next event. And until then, ladies, be well.
1: Julie, thank you.
0: I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this conversation. Cleone and Pearl shared so much of themselves and their experiences with us, but this conversation should not end here. If we continue to avoid talking about racism and implicit bias, we will continue to hold misinformation in place, preventing us from developing the necessary skills and perspectives to challenge the status quo. Right now, white comfort is why the racial status quo remains. So discomfort and courageous and intentional conversations and actions are necessary and important. These are not easy subjects to discuss. And confronting our own lack of diversity can make us feel guilty. It certainly made me feel guilty, but the antidote to our guilt is action. Systematic racism cannot be solved in one podcast, and addressing racism is not without effort. But we need to make the effort each and every day to learn, educate ourselves, challenge the status quo, and make a difference. Cleone and Pearl are both Jamaican. I'm lucky enough to have visited the island many times. Jamaica has its own distinct personality, a proud and vibrant culture and a vibe that you feel the second you step foot on that island. Throughout your stay, over and over again, you will hear the phrase one love. You know the Bob Marley song, but you know what it means. It's an expression of unity. One love refers to universal love and respect for all people, regardless of race, social status or any other defining characteristic. We should all strive for that. For one love. I know Cleone likes her white Russian and Pearl sips on sancerre but all this talk of Jamaica makes me want to go back to remind myself of that vibe. So today I'm sharing with you one of my favorite Jamaican drinks, the Jamaican Mule. I have sipped too many of these to count while sitting on the beach in Jamaica, listening to reggae music and watching the sun slip below the water's edge horizon. Do yourself a favor. Take a mini staycation to Jamaica tonight. Pop a beach scene on your TV, put on some reggae music, and make yourself this cocktail of Appleton's Estate Rum, Lime Juice, and Ginger Beer. You won't regret it. Cheers, everyone.